The world didn't need another hockey podcast. It needed a better one. Bear witness to the two-man forecheck. I'm back. And it's morning still. It is morning still, Barry. Welcome back, bud. How was uh, the uh, how was the trip to the to, to the nation's um, well, we'll call it the capital. A capital of what is always the question. Um, Could be. Did you enjoy uh, yourself? I enjoyed myself. I got to relax. I got to see a lot of museums. Um, did, did you beat the heck out of any Washington fans? No. Well, I would have had to been able to find them. Admittedly, I did not make it to the bar that I uh, that I had thought I was going to go to. I saw um, something about this. The, 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 their passion for hockey is not. Uh, it's not just hockey, though. They don't have a passion it's, for sports. It, admittedly, the area where I was in, there's mostly businesses. Uh, I had dinner at uh, on Tuesday night at the Founding Fathers, which is right in the uh, same building as the International Monetary Fund, and. I didn't. I think I saw. I don't know that I saw any sports, local sports, uh, equipment. Uh, you know, t-shirts, hats, jerseys, all all week. I did wow. see one Boston Bruins hat uh, on <laughs> Thursday afternoon, and I think the guy was shocked when I said "nice hat" as I walked by. Um, he had his headphones in, so he might have just been shocked that my voice penetrated through whatever he was listening to. Um, <laughs> okay, fair enough. Those of you who have met me uh, aren't surprised at all. But, um, but yeah, I literally didn't see any gear, and I walked all over the city. Um, I think uh, one of the places I went was the African American Civil War Museum, which I highly recommend. And because I was bored and not ready and pretty much done with being inside museums for the day, I walked the enti- almost the entire length of U Street all the way up to back up to New Hampshire Ave. Lots of interesting little shops, local stuff, not just the chain nonsense you see over in the touristy section. Um, and yeah, I don't think I saw a single Redskins, Wizards. Uh, Nats or uh, or Caps jersey, T-shirt, hat, anything, anywhere. And I uh, I guess I'm a little surprised because you were down there during one of the brightest spots in the Washington Capitals history. Uh, and I'm not trying to get off on a uh, you know move to a story or anything because we didn't even have it on the timeline. And I'm surprised that neither one of us put it there. But uh, Mr. Ovechkin has. Um, jumped into the 700 club scored his 700th goal I mean and it's the only 700 club that matters well yeah that's true Uh, Uh, just to to, to, I mean I'm kind of surprised that they weren't a little bit overzealous about it Uh, up here we would have been celebrating with uh, I don't know some kind of statue or banner or or at least a uh, I don't know about a parade, but you know something would have been happening. There would have been there would have been T-shirts and jerseys everywhere because sports is our religion. Um, Boston is a city that gets a lot of people from all over the place, and it seems to assimilate them pretty well. Washington has people from literally all over the globe. I 
I used Lyft while I was down there a good amount, and I don't think I talked to a single person who had actually been born in D.C. or, you know, within an hour's radius. That doesn't surprise me. But, um, it, like, legitimately did not – politics is the national religion there. Maybe it's just the transitory nation uh, uh, nature of being there. You know, so many people are there for the duration of their appointment uh, in a military capacity or the duration uh, or, or as how long as they can keep their senator or member of the House of Representatives happy or, you know, whoever's uh, in the Oval Office. Same with uh, foreign countries. You know, there's a change in uh, parliament in the UK and, you know, the people who are appointed over here, they get moved. Same in Australia and most other countries, um, that may well be the case. It, it may just be that it's not there. But I found it. Uh, and, I mean, he's, he's only the eighth player in NHL history to join 700. He's the second fastest to do it. And the names that he's now in company with, you figure ahead of him is Mike Gartner, Esposito, Marcel Dion, Brett Hull, Jager, Gordie Howe in second, and then Gretzky, and obviously those two guys are 800 club. Mm-hmm. Uh, all Hall of Fame. Uh, that's some pretty rare air up there, and it, just not to make any kind of hill of beans about it is a little surprising, but I understand, the, I understand that it's... I'm willing to bet that a lot of the fans aren't from the D.C. area, but more likely outskirts and into maryland and virginia yeah okay my my theory or one of my theories on the issue is if he had hit 700 and they still hadn't won a stanley cup in his in in his tenure that it would have been made a bigger deal but with them having won the cup being in a strong position this year i don't know that it's uh I don't know that it's as uh, as big on the emotional landscape. Okay, no, that's I, I can see that. I just that said, I, no, I, I don't know what to. I don't know how you explain the other three teams. Like, didn't no. see jerseys, t-shirt, bumper stickers anywhere. I mean, the Nats, anywhere. Nats haven't won anything, but they they. They have uh, – it's baseball. Uh, the Wizards have been mm, not non-existent but uh, not, non-important. Is that a real word? <laughs> yeah, I guess so. Uh, really haven't made a dent. It's not like they've won, won anything in, in the NBA. They, they, they have good seasons. They have bad seasons, but – haven't really moved the needle. And then, what's the other one? Hockey, baseball, football. Uh, the Redskins have been... Terrible. Uh, yes, terrible since Joe Gibbs left. So they really haven't had a lot to celebrate on that front either. So, But, but that's the thing. Here, you would still see jerseys or T-shirts or hats for all four teams if you spent five days in Boston. This is true. You go to New York, I... I know New York is huge and it 
just in scale, it makes everything more likely. I was in New York for literally eight hours one time. I still saw jerseys or T-shirts for at least six different teams. Um, I've been through... Uh, been to San Diego. Um, they, I did see at least one football Jersey, uh, while I was there and I was in a pretty quiet area. Um, all businessy. It's just a different thing. Anyways. Fair enough. Uh, Moving on, but welcome back. I'm glad you had a good time. You're feeling refreshed. You're ready to get, you ready to kick this off or what? I am always ready to talk hockey. And I knew that was just a softball floating up over the plate, but I knew <laughs> figured I had to ask. Where do we want to start this week? Ah, well, a very, a very somewhat loud thud happened about a week ago, just uh, just after you left us. Um, but it was a louder thud than I expected because. I figured with all the deals that had been made prior to the deadline that it was going to be a relatively quiet day. So I'm at work and I've got the I've got a tracker on and I keep and I'm refreshing it every few minutes or so. I, I was surprised at the number of deals and, and from what I heard reported there were actually twelve more deals made this year at the deadline than last season. Uh it wasn't so much the number of deals, it was the players that were moved because there were a couple of moves that actually surprised me. I didn't expect, I should say. Not so much that they surprised me, but I didn't expect them. Uh, so I guess we should start with the trade deadline and work our way forward. Okay. Uh, which which moves surprised you most? Uh, and it's basically the first one that we got listed here is the three-way trade. Uh, moving... I think Robin Leonard was the one that I didn't expect. I figured he was going to make it to the end of the season and then he was going to end up signing again somewhere else. But to turn around and have him move from Chicago to uh, Toronto, and basically it's the Martin Jones deal, only it didn't last. And it might have lasted as long, maybe not. It's weirder. But it it was the Martin – yeah, Martin Jones was a straight up. He didn't go from one to – it was basically, but it was a week later. But he goes from here to Toronto and then Toronto to, of all places, Vegas. I mean, he's back in a backup situation behind Flurry, unless they know something we don't. Because this is a guy who clearly needs a number one job. And he's actually conducted interviews since then talking about his time in Chicago and what he was led to believe. Uh, there was one article where he was – he signed there for the for the one year five mil, thinking that he was going to be going after a number one job and 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 he was playing well and then all of a sudden, in the middle of his playing well, they decided well they're not going to play him they're going to go back to Crawford, and then he had better numbers than Crawford but it, it, very weird and now he's in a backup situation so unless there's something going on where Flurry might not be there and I don't know how that works but. Uh, that I one kind of surprised. I didn't. I didn't see that move coming. That whole trade is just weird. Um, the fact that the fact that the Maple Leafs retained salary on the deal for a player who was literally part of the organization for as long as it took 
the fact to fax the rest of the trade deal in is utterly baffling. Especially on a t- especially with a payroll where they didn't move. They didn't move any of the people that we thought they were going to move. They didn't move Kis back. Kis, they didn't move Kapanen. They didn't move Janssen. They didn't move any of the money that we thought they were going to have to move to have cap space. And yet they're retaining mm-hmm. salary for a player that they're not even keeping. Yeah, I, I, I absolutely have no idea what Toronto was thinking on that deal. And it's kind of a shame because it's literally the first three-way trade probably since that uh, Martin Jones trade. Um, I mean, officially, the Martin Jones trade wasn't a three-way trade. No, but he was he was dealt here, and then we turned around and dealt him to San Jose. It wasn't it wasn't set up to be a three-way deal. Um, I, I have to wonder if we do thank Chicago, him for Sean Corrali, though. Yes. <laughs> I, I have to wonder if um, if the two sides couldn't have found something else they both wanted direct uh, together. Clearly, money was the issue. They, they they had to. That was the whole crux of it. Was working out Leonard's money and how to get him there. But Malcolm Subban goes in return to Chicago. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Slava Demon, who I, and I feel bad don't remember. It it, it it's just, it was just weird and I didn't expect it. Uh, there were a couple of other moves. I didn't see the whole Simmons going to Buffalo. I didn't see. I I I, I knew Pajot was going to get moved. I was surprised that it was the Islanders that actually ended up getting him, and they paid a hefty price. But they got a good player. Oh, he's been and since he's been there, he's been stellar. With the exception of the Bruins game, I think. I, I'm not See, sure I, he was. I still thought he was one of the best players on the ice for the Islanders yesterday. Oh, he was. I mean, they they, they clearly didn't score. and, and, and But J.G. Pajot is, he's that not, he, he could win a Selkie if it wasn't for the fact that there were guys like Bergeron in the league. Hey, J.G. Un, Pajot yeah, is a fabulous 200-foot player. He's. He's not Bergeron, he's not O'Reilly, and that's unfortunate for him. Uh, if he were playing for the Rangers and not the Islanders, I'm sorry, but we all know the Rangers get more TV attention, more oh, media okay. attention Absolutely. in general. Um, he might have a shot at you know finishing in the top three, um, but I, I like I like him and I like the way he plays. He's Aggressive. He takes nothing from anyone, but he also plays pretty damn smart. I think it was gutsy on Lamorello's part to give up what he had to give up to make the deal. And yeah, they turned around and they and they signed him to a long term extension, which makes sense if you're going to give up uh, the kind of uh, ta- the kind of draft picks and and that that they offered up to Ottawa and. And do you have to call Ottawa like a winner at the deadline, even though they didn't acquire anything, really? (laughs) You know what? As far as current. Ottawa was not going to make the playoffs by any conceivable combination of trades. Just it just wasn't going to happen. But you think of how young you think of the team. And by the way, quick side note there, since we're talking Ottawa real quick. Welcome back, Bobby Ryan. He's been through 
some serious personal I don't even know what word to use uh, struggles and for him to come back and on his 100th day of sobriety and to turn around and get a hat trick that night congratulations Bobby welcome back I mean right now going into the offseason the the roster that the senators have is is one we've talked about wanting to be that we would both like to be the guy to finish well, building it into an anything Kachuk, but, Duclair, Shabbat. No, no, no. I know. We've, <laughs> we've talked about that. Right now, in the first two rounds of this year's draft, they have seven draft picks. Seven. Next year, they have a, their own first and three second-round picks. That's, it's a beaut- that's an enormous <laughs> amount of capital. Even if you, if you draft all seven of these players – uh, this year and the four next year, that's 11 first, uh, first and second round picks. That's that's half of a, that's half of a roster. I mean, that's legitimately half of a roster. And you have time to be patient. You can draft a couple of um, you can draft a couple of college kids. You can draft a couple of projects who still project to be top six, uh, you know, in three years or th- or three and a half seasons. And you can draft a couple of guys who are ready right now. Um, that's a gorgeous position to be in. Um, and as far as like their cap situation, what cap what is, situation? Now, am I am I reading this they correctly? They have thirty six million. Thirty eight. No, thirty eight. Current cap space is thirty eight million four hundred fourteen thousand seven hundred eighty two dollars. Yes, and that's with <laughs> one five guys on injured reserve at the moment. Um, a couple of buyouts. Yeah, they they're sitting pretty. Uh huh. I just. I mean, Pierre Dorian may have. Realistically, Pierre Dorian may actually be general manager of the year or executive of the year, whichever they're calling it this year. I I, I can't remember. And yet, and yet he still works for Eugene Melnick. Ugh. And you. <laughs> I can't remember ever seeing this treasure trove of picks. Um. And he's got picks. The only pick he's lacking in the next three years is a seventh round pick this year. Aw. <laughs> yeah, gonna, I know. He's gonna miss out on that on that that diamond in the rough there. That and 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 there have been a few. And the thing is, though, but, he's got yeah, I, I think seven first round first and second round picks, two thirds, a fourth, a fifth, and two sixth. I think it, I think he's okay with not having a seventh round pick, and if he's really desperate, he could probably trade down into the seventh round. <laughs> he's got thirteen picks in the draft this year. This year, thirteen picks. It, didn't Vegas have that crazy number their their first year because of all the deals that uh, yeah. that McPhee made? I mean. Yeah, they're 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 gonna they're gonna be just fine in like three years, four years. They'll be making playoffs anyway. I mean, I'm not gonna say they'll win a cup or anything, but they'll be they'll be contesting for playoffs in now, less than Bobby five. Bobby Ryan, you mentioned, is back, and that's on top of Kachuk, Duclair, Brown, Tierney, Bodger, and Yusimov, and White. With the exception, with the exception of Ron Hainsey, he's the ancient man of the team at 32 
Oh yeah. I, oh, and I mean, I'm sorry. And Anisimov is 31. Yeah. Okay. I, seriously, this team is all 20s. There's three guys. There's including well with Hansy. There's four guys in 30s. And Craig Anderson. Yeah, they're going to need a number one at some point. I, I just will be back there uh, July 2nd. I don't think Leonard wants to go back, but that's another story for another time. <laughs> uh, but yes, I think that I think that right now you have to give the Senators may well be the best position team for future growth in the NHL. Oh, absolutely. They've got a serious amount of distance between them and last place in the East. Um, they are probably going to have a, they may well end up with a lottery pick, um, if they get really lucky, um, because they are, yeah, they're, they're third from the bottom of the league. Um, only Los Angeles and, uh, the uh, dead wings. And I think it's safe to call them that again are uh, below them. I, 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 I trust that. Steve Eisenman knows what he's doing, but yeah, we were talking pre-show about their numbers, and uh, like, well, like I was saying, they have some pride, uh, and, and I think that I think that Eisenman is going to turn that around as quickly as he possibly can, because I can't imagine him seeing his beloved Red Wings faltering the way they are. I think that that hurts him. Uh, and my last thing is. My my last my my third surprise because yeah Simmons going to mm-hmm. Simmons going to Buffalo was a sec- I wasn't sure what Buffalo was doing because the third surprise is Buffalo in general they go and get Wayne Simmons but yet they turn around and trade Evan Rodriguez and Connor Sherry back to Pittsburgh for not much and uh, that's that one I I, I, I don't that know what Buffalo. Puzzle- that trade puzzles me more on the other side. Why would Pittsburgh Connor want Connor Sherry back? They traded him a couple of years ago. Yeah, there were there were cap considerations. But what has he done? They like Connor Sherry in Pittsburgh. He likes being in Pittsburgh. That's great. But what has he done? <laughs> um, oh, that's a real question. Um, yes, legitimate question. 100% real uh, question. He had 19 he, points in 55 games this year, and he had 34 points in 78 games last year. He hasn't – he's had one NHL season where he broke 20 goals. I think the answer to that question lies in a prior deal because I think Connor Sherry is tougher than Alex Galchenyuk. Must be the case. I mean <laughs> – when I look at his numbers and I see the eight penalty minutes he had in 55 games for the Buffalo Sabres this year, I think toughness. Uh, like I said, tougher than Galchenyuk. I didn't say tough, period. I said tougher than Galchenyuk. They traded Galchenyuk for Zucker. That's I, an upgrade. That's an upgrade. <laughs> I don't get this. Why are they pretending that they're Chicago and just doing the retread thing? Yeah, I was going to say don't. that, and I didn't. Yeah, they're bringing they're bringing the band back together. Uh, yeah, despite the fact that they've got flutists attempting to play the drums. <laughs> yeah. So, but Buffalo was my third surprise, only because I didn't know what to take away from their moves. They one minute they look like sellers, next minute they look like buyers. Why are you bringing in Wayne Simmons if you're? 
trying to. I can understand bringing in Wayne Simmons because they they needed uh, they need someone, quite frankly, more durable than Jeff Skinner. If you're making a push, but Buffalo is nowhere near a playoff spot at the moment. They're not. Um, maybe they're just auditioning him for next year. Um, it's not like they're playing. I mean, they're paying him two and a, well, the remaining portion of two and a half million for the rest of the year. Um, I, maybe it is purely an audition. Um, okay. In which case, still, I'm okay with it. It's weird. I just didn't understand. It's a little bit unexpected, but yeah, it's weird. I didn't understand. I didn't. I didn't understand what Botterill was trying to do. I think it's safe to say that Botterill's moves make sense to Botterill, and that the rest of us are going to scratch our heads. (laughs) That's not nice. (laughs) I might have to. I might have to agree because show to be nice. I might have to agree only because I still don't understand the Ralph Kruger move, but that and, goes back to. And you were in favor of that deal. No, I wanted them to keep Housley. I think that they, I don't think they gave him enough of an opportunity, but I didn't want them getting Kruger. I don't know who Kruger is. He came from, he came from the premier league in soccer. I mean, yes, he was involved in hockey before, but he has he's been out of hockey for the better part of a decade or more. And then they bring this guy back so that he can coach the Buffalo Sabres and you get rid of one of the best defensive coach one of the best assistant coaches in the NHL. And if you look go back and look, yeah, now he's the defensive coach for is it Vegas? Yeah. Mhm. He's on he's on DeBoer's squad. And there's another gallant, don't get me started. Um, but he's on DeBoer's squad, and he's coaching the defense there. They go and they get him. Not only that, they go and get him Martinez. And uh, you got Martinez, Nate Schmidt, Shea Theodore. That's a defense. That's a fun defense. Uh, I, I mean, Phil Housley, I just don't think Bottero gave him an enough to work with. And you know, they let him go. But that's another story, again, for another... Oh, and they got the, the young kid, Zach Whitecloud. Uh, yeah, it's just... me. And then they bring in Robin Leonard. I think Vegas did okay at the deadline. Um, Vegas, Vegas seems to uh, be playing with house money still. And uh, the odds are ever in their favor. Because I don't know how they do it. They looked awful at times early in, in their first half of this season. They there they are together. at the Pacific. Yeah. I mean, it's the Pacific, but <laughs> but they've got. I mean, they they got Chandler Stevenson from Washington earlier in the season, uh, earlier in the year, mm-hmm. uh, and he turned out to be pretty good. They've got some. They got a few really good two way players. William Carlson's back. He's healthy. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they and DeBoer for uh, whether I like him or didn't like him, they moved. He he took William Carlson off that line with Marcheseau and Riley, and he put him on a line with Mark Stone and Matt and Pacioretty. And by the way, for those who thought Pacioretty was done, mm, not quite yet. 
and I'll be honest, I was probably one of them, but Patrick I, has got 63 points in 66 games this year. See, I think he's, 30, he's a 30 goal scorer, so I, I can't. And his numbers have gone up the last three years 17 goals, 37 points. Last year, 22 goals, 40 points. This year, not only is he up to 63 points and 30 goals, but he's a plus 17. Yeah. Patrick, uh, if you were in baseball, they'd better. be testing him. He's he's playing better. I still don't <laughs> care for him that much. I, I think that he's just, not. You, you have to look at you have to face facts. He's not done yet. The results, the results are good. So, again, McPhee, because that was a McPhee deal before McCrimmon took over. McPhee just I don't know. He, the, the guy is like. It's a. I don't want to say it's a golden touch thing, but it's close. <laughs> and the thing that's worrying me with Vegas, uh, admittedly, they don't. They're lacking mostly later round picks, but they're starting to run low on those draft picks. Mm-hmm. Um, sure, they have a good amount of their core tied up for for several years. You know, you've got Stone till the end of history, uh, Pacioretty for three more years, Carlson um, till the end of time. Yeah, um, and Riley Smith and Paul uh, Paul Stastny for a couple more years. Marshall as well. They they've uh, got same their, on their key line. The thing is, they've got the. If you look at that, they've got their key players tied up, so they don't have to worry about that. I mean, is Stastny going to go at the end of next season? Eh. And we trade, can the trade deadline. Yeah, it, it, it's going to come down to what the team is doing. But, but. I think the idea behind the, I think the idea behind the 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 lack of picks this year, and they really they have one in the first, two in the third, a sixth and a seventh. I think it all comes down to the fact that their five year plan got blown up in the first year by making it to the Stanley Cup final. Yeah. Suddenly it became a win now instead of a we have a five year plan. Because. Yeah, I- I also think that the pressure of the NFL coming to town uh, is very real to them. I mean, they know the NHL's marketing machine and hype machine um, and just it, generally yeah. ingrained the nature. Better, and I the will N- say that. Um, well, the NHL can't market itself to save <laughs> anything. And it's uh, not like you're getting an, it's not like you're getting a. It's not like you're getting an expansion NFL franchise. I mean, this is a storied franchise. Whether you like them or don't like them, it's a storied franchise. The Oakland Raiders are they're a global team no matter where you go. If I wear my Raiders hat while I'm in England, I still have people who are Raiders fans that will acknowledge me. It's, it, it's a global team. It, it, Yankees, Red Sox, Raiders – and that's what the NHL needs to aspire to. They need to become global. I mean, yeah, we have global players and global events, but uh, you need the the NHL absolutely needs to push its way into the daily conversation of your average American. And it hasn't, and it's had a hundred years to do it. And so. So to tie up the trade deadline, since we've gotten, you know, staying Our so deal. well on track, um, the two B's deal, the two Bruins deals, happy, not happy? 
Kashe liked the deal, always liked him, only slightly worried about his health. The other deal I don't get. And my take I, is... I, or in part, I don't get. I've been complaining for, or at least mentioning for five or six years, that Bergeron should never be the largest player in your top six, and he still has been. Um, <laughs> but is Nick Ritchie actually a top six forward, or is he just playing in a top six spot? Uh, I'm going to get to that because my take is, well, first of all, Don Sweeney finally decided to listen to me and didn't go after that guy in New York. And as it turns out, New York didn't want to get rid of him anyway and then turn around and sign him to a six year deal extension. But they got the guy. They got the guy who's younger. He's got a year of term. They they did another Charlie Coyle. So they've given themselves a little bit of a window. They didn't really overpay for Kasha, in my opinion. No. I mean, Axel Anderson um, was never going to play for the Bruins. He no, was, he was horrible like when we drafted him. He was yeah, <laughs> at best. Uh, was never going to be playing for the Bruins. Uh, the pick was uh, seventh, second round, third round. It wasn't a yeah. first rounder. Or what? No, was it, was it a first round? I don't even remember now. I think it was a second. Uh, and David Backus, who they had to move to free up the money so that they can sign the guy that we keep saying they need to sign. That everyone who can tie their own shoes knows that they need to sign, but yes. Right. So I, it, it was a really – I think it was a really team-friendly deal. And Kasha, yes, I think that when healthy, and that's the key, unfortunately, with him, you have to say when healthy, I think he is a top six forward. Nick Ritchie, I mean, 10th overall pick. He should be a top six forward. Has he played like that in Anaheim? Mm, no. But they put him on a line with uh, – they put him on – with Krejci and they put Krejci and, Ka- and and Kasha with him. Uh, I don't know Nick Ritchie, but he scored a goal. He's a, he's already endearing himself to fans because he's being physical. And Bruins fans, if there's one thing that they will respect, it's physicality and giving 110 percent. And he's done that. So for right now, yeah, he's endearing himself to fans. Is he a, is he a top six forward? I don't think so. I think he should be on the third line. Which but, means that they essentially traded Danton Heinen for a more physical, less offensive guy who can play basically. I don't know if he's. He I don't know if he's less offensive than Danton Heinen offensive. though. He is. Less offensive than Danton Heinen. Denton Heinen had twenty two he had twenty two points when he left the Bruins. Yes, I believe that Nick Ritchie is at like nineteen. Ouch, okay, so he's three points less offensive than Denton Heinen. Uh I I don't know, it was just a weird deal. To me, it seemed like because of the, the actual timing of the deal, it seemed like Don Sweeney was watching the market. He's seeing Wayne Simmons go. He's seeing this one. He's seeing all these moves being made, and suddenly it was like, "Oh my God! Everybody's making moves. I got to do something. Uh, uh, who can we call?" And that's the impression I got from this deal. Uh, I, 
there was no picks, there was no prospects. It was straight up one for one, Heinen for Richie. Uh, I think he was just looking for. Uh, it was almost like a, a kid. He was just, you know, he had to make that. He move. was buying something to buy something. Money burning a hole in his pocket, type of thing. I don't know. <laughs> Uh, are they gonna? Are they good moves? I think the Kasha one was, and and I think the Kasha Richie, move. I I don't have any problems with. I like him. I thought he was a better alternative for the club than uh, the New Yorker. Yes. Um, partly because I don't particularly think that the New Yorker fits here, and partly because it's more important to sign Krug and Grizzlick. And maybe one or two of the other uh, RFA forwards uh, than it is to add uh, add someone else. What is this thing about the deadline being so flipping dull? It it wasn't. <laughs> I I honestly don't think this was an interesting deadline. Fair um, enough. I'm not I'm not going to disagree. I just. <laughs> Overall, there really weren't any superstars traded. Uh, I mean, off the top of your head, really quickly, mm-hmm. who was the best player traded at the draft this year? Or Robin, who was the best Rob- player traded in, in February? Robin Leonard. Okay, who was the second best player? Um, exactly. Um, exactly. Um. <laughs> Andreas Athanasiu. Uh, and, and there was another move. What the heck is what the heck is Edmonton doing? Oh, we could do this all day. We got to stop. We <laughs> that, Ed, see that's Ed, the thing. There was nothing. Uh, there were no superstars. There's no team that clearly won. There's there's a couple of teams that did weird stuff, but I'm not sure that, that counts as clearly losing. I think. Um, was, I actually think that was Ken Holland doing the whole bringing the band back together thing. Cause he got Mike green from Detroit and, and, and it's I, I think that Mike green is probably the price for taking Athanasiu. Uh, but that's oh, just maybe. my own opinion. <laughs> that's a possibility. But going Cal- back to, then there's Calgary, your question, Calgary yeah. made a bunch of moves. Uh, I think that, you know, the GM there looked at his, uh, cap friendly page and saw that there just weren't enough transactions and decided, <laughs> To just answer whatever calls with yes? Yeah, but when you answer calls with yes and you pick up a couple of defensemen that are going to help the team, even, I mean, you can't use the, you can't use the blind squirrel finds an acorn, but if, if all he's doing is picking up the phone and saying yes, he said yes to the right deals, I think. I mean, it's not like he just went out and, and picked up, you know, Nick Ritchie for Danton Heinen. <laughs> Are you saying that wasn't the best deal of the year? Nick Ritchie for Danton Heinen was the best deal made at 2.55 p.m. on February 24th. I'm going to have to research that one and get back to you, but okay. (laughs) I mean, they traded out Brandon Davidson for future considerations. Um, They brought in Eric Gustafson, Derek Forbert. Derek Forbort's not. Derek Forbort's a pretty good defenseman. He's not Drew Doughty. He's not Jake Muzzin, but he was. He, he's a pretty solid defenseman. They he, they <laughs> paired him up with Martinez or whatever. He was he was a third or fourth defenseman, and that's about where he should be playing with 
with Calgary because they've got Giordano, they got Hannapin. So great. Boys. They signed a couple of depth defense. They got they picked up a couple of depth defensemen. It's not a bad it's not a bad idea going into the playoffs. I I didn't say it was, just that it's dull. It's pretty much expected. Oh, you're looking team, for the splash. Okay. It's pretty much expected that any team that expects to make the playoffs who doesn't already have a surfeit of defensemen is going to try and add them. You're looking for it's the just splash. One of those. It was, yeah, there was no splash. I see what you're saying. It's the thermodynamics of uh, NHL uh, trade deadline. The thing is, nobody in the NHL is going to trade Connor McDavid for... Not, it doesn't even have to be Connor McDavid. But there's absolutely teams who could trade their best player, whoever that yeah. is, for... <laughs> or either draft picks or prospects or a combination thereof or, or for to, another team's best player or, or, or to lower or to lower your cap hit Toronto. Like Who we all know that somebody with a $7 million contract Toronto, someone, someone in their top five, most best played players in Toronto is going to be moved real soon. <laughs> they don't have much choice, I don't think. <laughs> before July 1st. It's probably going to happen at the draft, but before July 1st. I don't think they somebody. have a choice. Considering they just considering they just uh, extended Jake Muzzin, which, by the way, was a surprise. I didn't think Jake Muzzin would want to stay there, but hey. Well, they might have signed – they might have extended him only to be promising that he'll get moved at next year's deadline. No, they extended him for – Four years. Yeah, and you're going to move him with three years of term left? I don't think so. So and at, at 31, the, this is probably his second to last contract. As of uh, 223 last last Sunday, um, mm-hmm. there were let's see uh, zero points separating first and second. Uh, in the Metro, only three mm-hmm. points between them and the Philadelphia Flyers, who were not a playoff team last year. Um, the Islanders, Carolina Hurricanes, uh, and Columbus Blue Jackets are one, two, and three in the wild card sp- race, with only three points between them. Uh, between this is as of last week, uh, between the third Metropolitan Division. Uh, playoff spot and the first wild card spot with essentially no points separating the next four metropolitan teams. So four through seven uh, for the Eastern conference. Yeah. Toronto had a cup, had a little breathing room as far as holding on to that uh, third Atlantic spot. Yeah. And because I mean, Florida is the next best team out in the West the West, you could literally just pick names out of the top <laughs> six or seven uh, to, out of the top 12 teams. I really thought you were going to say out of a hat, but OK. <laughs> you, know, you could legitimately pick names out of all of the teams in the Western Conference who are not in California. And you have your 12 playoff, your, uh, your eight playoff teams out West. There is no rhyme or reason to what's going on because none of the teams are that good. Hey, I will say that since the trade deadline, Anaheim has jumped ahead of San Jose. 
Thanks to Denton Heinen. Thanks to, yeah, his two points in two games. Um, <laughs> hey, he's a point-per-game player. Yes, he is. Um, but the the actual functional difference between Winnipeg and Calgary and Minnesota, as far as the standings go, it doesn't exist. You had, going into the deadline, you had 25 of 31 teams who genuinely believe they had a shot at the playoffs, and... Given the <clears throat> quality, and I say that holding my nose, of the quality. NHL the last two years, maybe three, mm-hmm. um, if you make it into the playoffs, if you have a shot at making it into the playoffs, you have a you still have a really good shot of making it out of the first round. Whether you're going to make it beyond that, that's there's too many factors involved to guess. But twenty five twenty five to thirty one teams genuinely believe that they had a shot to make it to the postseason. You look at the standings as of right now, with the moves and a week to absorb them, and there's not a huge amount of change. So we still have 28 out of 31 teams think they can make the play. No, 27. (laughs) Essentially, yes. I was basically subtracting the three California teams, but we can subtract Detroit as well. So 27... Uh, we could subtract Ottawa 26, but probably New Jersey. So yeah, still 25. Oh, I don't. And Buffalo we, is a very outside. If they if they can win out, they might make it. But they, uh, would, they would legitimately have to win like 16 yeah. of their last of their last <laughs> what 18 games to win to get in. But that's so. still not ridiculous because 16. That's 34 points. Added to their that would no that would give them a hundred points. That's actually a really good shot if they that, could really if if they could win out basically yeah. So say twenty so you still have basically what we're saying is you still have twenty five teams that are vying for a playoff spot. Yes, I mean Boston. And at a week ago we had twenty five teams vying for a playoff spot. Yes. Okay. And that's why big moves aren't happening, despite the fact that. Toronto knows that they need to make a move to well, a you, create an actual viable defense and were you, be that, were you hoping that Pittsburgh was going to trade Cindy Crosby? Um, if they traded him, they, he would get the most return. Whether you still believe that he's the most valuable player in the league or not irrelevant, whether you believe that he's the most valuable player on the team irrelevant He's got the most name recognition, and if he goes and lands anywhere that's not Philadelphia, New Jersey, or uh, one of the New York teams, he's going to sell a bajillion jerseys in the first 36 hours. Like, they're literally going to be back-ordered and sold out for at least two weeks. It's Even if he even if he landed in Boston, which I can't foresee uh, any half-line. There's, there's no way that... There's no way that who is it Fletcher down there? There's no way that just he, for the giggles, just for the giggles, assume that he ended up in Ottawa. Rutherford, sorry, not Fletcher, Rutherford. Just for just assume for a minute that he ends up in Ottawa. Okay. That's in essentially Ottawa. his home <laughs> province. Literally the biggest Jersey bonanza. In league history. Then they could turn around and sign Ryan Spooner. Yes, they could. (laughs) 
you put Ryan Spooner on on his wing um, and go. Go. Well, you need somebody Straight on the, the other wing, but you know. Straight to the playoffs. Uh, well, he's I, I was he's from Ottawa as well, Kelowna, whatever. Yes. Um, but yeah, no, you're absolutely right. If you traded him back to his pretty much hometown team, if you if you somehow could make the cap go away for long enough to trade him to Toronto again, <clears throat> yeah, okay. again, the media storm would literally melt the internet. And just the just the cap just the cap considerations of the return would <laughs> likely set up Pittsburgh for the next five years. Because you're gonna have to send back Marner or or um And if Rutherford didn't if Rutherford didn't ask for Marner, I'd have to slap him. Uh, it would have to be Marner plus, but if he didn't ask for Marner, I would have to slap him. A legitimately if you're trading Sidney Crosby to the Maple Leafs and you're not making it making Marner non-negotiable and probably Alex Martinek as the defenseman going back to um who I'm not Martinek uh, Muzzin uh wrong Jake M. Muzzin Jake Muzzin um so uh, Marner and Muzzin for uh, for Crosby makes the cap kind of not throw up. Um, okay, it's still it's still it's still a bad situation for for Toronto, and their defense gets worse. Although I will say that Sidney Crosby is a better two way player than Mitch Marner is today. Um, whether he'll still be a better player three years from now. That's an interesting question. How do they still have like, Yeah, I, 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 but if that's the kind of splash you're looking for, I can't help you on that one because I don't think any team's going to do it. And speaking of final splashes and and this t- this Tampa Bay thing, how did the and there's still a million dollars and they still have a million dollars in cap space, yep. but you've got Kucherov, Stamkos, Point, Palat, Yanni Gord. Tyler Johnson, Alex Killorn, all making four four plus million, and then you bring in a Blake Coleman, and you bring right. in Barclay Goudreau, and yep. these are all players that, and, and these are players, and you sign Zach Bogosian, whether that's a good or bad thing, you can argue it amongst yourselves, but you got him for 1.3 mil, uh, 29 year old, but health issues, I'm sure. Uh, maybe some attitude issues there, but you bring in Barkley Goudreau, who's not a terrible player, not a great player. He's probably a third, fourth liner. Mm-hmm. Blake Coleman, who he's got some talent. He's 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 shown some flashes in New Jersey, but it's hard to really showcase yourself in New Jersey. And don't forget that they've got Ryan McDonough on the sh- on long term injured reserve. I mean, I was amazed that they were making moves, to be honest. I, I was like, uh, okay. <laughs> you bring in Blake Coleman, didn't see that coming. You br- then, then they go and get Barkley Goudreau on the, on deadline day from San Jose. I was just like, uh, yeah, didn't see that one. So I guess that would be a bonus surprise for me. Didn't see 
didn't see the the Tampa Bay machine, uh, which, uh, as it turns out, in our next story, we'll tell you why it makes a little bit of sense that they made these moves. Not that either one of these guys is going to replace Mr. Stamkos. Who will be out six to eight weeks. Um, <sighs> That's got to hurt. I'm sorry. This, I mean, Steven Stamkos is arguably the most talented forward in the NHL. Um, and he cannot stay healthy to save his life at this point. Uh, he's had all sorts of weird injuries. And I don't know how long he's going to be able to keep playing. He's not. He's certainly not even hockey old at this point. But is this the same core muscle injury? The, the is this the same core muscle thing that um, Sidney Crosby went through earlier in the season? Because he had he had core muscle surgery as well, and he left in what was it November? Didn't come back till January. Yeah, that's that sounds about right. I mean, it's six to eight weeks he's missing the rest of the regular season, um, and he's probably gonna miss at least the first round. Um, and that's that's assuming no complications, no setbacks, no additional injuries during uh, rehab. Uh, that's that's a big loss. Worse, and it's, it's a weird. Adjustment getting him back into the lineup, and it's it, the, the thing with him is that Stamkos, and, and I'm looking right at the Sports Illustrated story that we have on on the on our timeline here. But in his first five seasons, he didn't miss a game, and then he suffered that broken leg against Boston, and ever since then, it's been injury after injury. After injury, after and some of them are weird, like that leg injury, bizarre, because you just don't see that. You see a lot of guys go into the boards. You see maybe one guy actually break something every every other season. Uh, it, yeah, I just don't get it. I, I feel bad for the guy because the talent is just off the charts. It, it, but you go in, you break your leg, you have a titanium rod inserted, then then you have then a year later in April you have the, the diagnosed blood clot. They had to pull out a rib. Uh, then he's limited to 17 games after tearing the meniscus in his right knee that required surgery. And now he's having core muscle surgery. I mean, he's had four surgeries since 2014. He's had four surgeries in six years that we know of. Yeah. That's a tough thing to go through and to keep coming back. I mean, yeah, they say hockey players are the toughest, and I would have to agree. I mean, football players, they get they play 10 seconds at a time, and then they get 40 seconds off. I, I think hockey players are the toughest athletes out there, but this guy's taking it to the extreme, I think. <laughs> yeah. Um, I just saw a tweet from uh, Eric uh, a, a frequent uh, tweeter uh, to the show and we'll get to that towards the end of the show but um, okay. it, it made me laugh um, fair enough but with Stamkos out and McDonough out that's that changes the entire dynamic of your team uh, I don't 
I don't know if they're going to hold on to the second place spot, even though I don't, even though I don't love the the Toronto team. Um, as far as which teams are going up and which teams are going down, uh, there's an argument to be made that the uh, Arizona Coyotes is, should tank. Really? It, Brendan Cullen certainly seems to think so. Brendan uh, Cullen would be... Uh, he's the writer. He's a writer for uh, Howling Hockey. Oh, um, is this one of those fan-sided... Sto- is this a fan-sided... Yeah, it is. Okay. Yes. It's a Howling Hockey fan. It's a fan-sided... Uh, uh, I don't want to call yes. it a blog, but... Site. Whatever. Site. Um, but... The point is, he points out that their Corsi is 48.18, which, yes, it's terrible, as he says, um, and that their scoring chances percentage is only 47.23, which is, again, ungood. Um, And he goes into a couple of other stats that he picked up through Natural Stat Trick. Um, They're not... I mean, they're right in the thick of the playoff race because, well, who isn't in the Western Conference? But they're also not very far from the bottom. Um, You look at the Western Conference, uh, they are fourth in the wildcard race. That thing fluctuates. A week ago, they were the number one wildcard spot. So yes, but they're only they're in the Pacific. They're only two points out of third place. (laughs) Right. Yes, they played more games than anyone but Winnipeg ahead of them. I don't know that actually tanking is a good is a good way to attract talent next year, and that's my biggest issue for for them. That if I, yeah, I see. I don't agree with this at all. I don't agree with the tanking bit either. Not after what they've they've had enough subpar seasons. If you're putting together a playoff team, whether I mean, I mean, they made the playoffs in the past, but it's not the recent past. No, I don't believe that any of the players on the team, except maybe OEL, have actually played in the playoffs in a Carolina. I'm sorry, in an Arizona jersey. Um, so I don't no, think, I think that's a non-starter. I don't believe tanking is a good option here. I, I mean, and and some of the other topics that are on this fan-sided site. Uh, is Rick Tockett to blame for the Coyote struggles? Mm, no, I would I would say that overall lack of talent is to blame, um, well, or certain, at least lack of depth. I think lack of goal scoring. They did score five goals last night against I forget who they played because I wasn't watching it, but I, they did score five goals last night. But I think overall goal scoring has not been it, uh, not been good at it as a team. It just not. that's a good way to put it. I, I mean, I like the team. I, I I'm happy for Cheka. They've stuck with him, but I mean, they're 23rd in the league in goals for, uh, which is not uh, where you need to be. And I don't believe that any team ahead of them is uh, any team below them is actually in a playoff spot. But if you look at all the teams in playoff spots with the and their goals against numbers. 
Arizona is right there. They got a hundred. They've only allowed 178 goals. You look at some of the other teams in playoff spots, and I mean Vegas has allowed 198. Edmonton's allowed 201. Yeah, they they've allowed the third fewest goals against. Uh, mm-hmm. Only Boston and Dallas are have been better defensively. Um, I no, I, I just can't get on board with having them tank. Um, I, I, yeah, I don't, I think going, I don't think going backwards is the right way to go here. Backwards I would have is to, not. I would have to disagree with Brett Cullen on this one. Yeah. Um, and uh, his digs at Taylor Hall, I think are just plain silly. Oh, Taylor Hall's managed to win uh, the lottery everywhere he's gone. Well, Taylor Hall has played on some crappy teams. It, that's, he doesn't pick uh, the other yeah. two players on the roster. How many, how many years? <laughs> How many years did he make the playoffs in Edmonton versus how many years they didn't make the playoffs? It's just – it's a non-point. Sorry, just no. And now the article is annoying me, so – Okay, we're Uh, done with it. Yes. Um, And the hockey story of all hockey stories happened uh, happened last week. We talked uh, about. I mean, we talked about it on the show before you went on vacation with David Ayers, yep. but David Ayers and and in all fairness, you got to write a feel good story for as long until it bucks you, and then you got to get back on anyway. But David Ayers has been having a whirlwind week. He wins the game for Carolina against his hometown team, where he's yes, the Zamboni driver for the Marlies. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is a guy who actually was playing hockey until 2004 when he had to have a kidney transplant, which sidelined his career. His mom gave him his mom was the one that donated the kidney. Uh, so Carolina has shirts on their website, uh, T-shirts that look like uh, the away jersey says canes on it 90 airs on the back and money from that was used to the money generated was used to pay day to give to david and to donate to kidney kidney foundation uh mm-hmm. and kidney transplants and, and 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 just kidney research i'm guessing uh he's been on today's show he's been on uh other morning shows he's been interviewed on the NHL network. He was a siren sounder in Carolina's game. The governor gave him a proclamation officially making him a citizen of the state of North Carolina, South Carolina, wherever they are. Yeah. And now he is getting immortalized on a hockey card. Upper Deck has announced on, on Friday that he's going to get a special release card in the game in the company's game dated moments program on EPAC. They're also going to add him to the Young Guns rookie set update rookie set that comes out in mid May. And all of this courtesy of uh, Greg Wyshynski, who is uh, one of my favorite hockey writers. Um, Upper Deck had to because he's not a member of the NHLPA. Upper Deck had to actually cut a separate deal with David Ayers about the about having a hockey card. 
which is it's the it's absolutely a great hockey story. I mean, does it does it mean that more people are going to want to be emergency backup goaltenders at hockey games? Probably not. I've signed up. Oh, have you? I I, yes. I considered it, but uh, well, you practically took the spot from me, so they're not going to call me. Uh, yeah, it, it's been it, it's just been uh, the the guy is nothing but smiles. He, he's he, he's loving it right now, and you can't argue with good press like this. It makes the game look great. It makes the players feel good. Carolina, they showed a video of after the game in the locker room, and David Ayers is off in the corner, and he starts stripping off, and and Brenda Moore walks in, and he's like, no, 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 sit down, sit down, stay around, hold on, I got something to say. You know, he he just thought, okay, I played for the team, now I got to go, and and Brenda Moore is like including him in his post game chat. And he talks about how the team gave him a memory that he'll never forget and how David Ayers gave him a memory that he'll never forget and he's not going to forget. And he's the number one star of the game. And he actually shut out the Toronto Maple Leafs in the third period because the only two goals he let in were at the end of the second. How do you not feel good about this? I mean, for the team, for the fans, to see – the absolute disaster of your number one and number two goalies go, go down in less than 40 minutes of playing time and to get your uh, dangly bits pulled out of the fire by a guy who literally drives a Zamboni for a living. Uh, it, and is probably there rooting for the other team. And <laughs> he, I, I'm certain he, I, I would be willing to bet he was rooting for the other team up until he got the call to go in net. <laughs> yeah, well. <laughs> up until the last 27 or whatever, 22, 24 minutes of the game, whatever, however many long it was. Yeah, he was he was a Toronto fan. <laughs> uh, I, I, I have to uh, I, I'm going to bet that he's going to be at least a little bit of a Carolina fan for the rest of his life. It, the thing is that and, and the last paragraph of of. of Last paragraph of, of Wyshynski's story here is the only thing that I think bothers me a little bit is that it hasn't all been positive. Outrage in some hockey circles about his age, lack of experience, and occupational ties to the Maple Leafs while playing for their opponent has led NHL general managers to reconsider the standards for emergency goalies at their meetings next week. Seriously? No. no. Seriously? No. Just no. I Leave mean, it alone. They get used like once a year. Just stop. I want to hire. I want to hire the guy from NCI. I want. I want to hire Gibbs from NCIS so we can go around and slap every one of them up the side the back of the head like he does Denozo. It, it just no. Leave it alone. <sighs> it, if you don't, if you don't have anything bigger than emergency backup goaltenders <laughs> to talk about at the meetings. Cancel the meetings, save your team the money, and all of you take the day off and go golfing. Just no. His goal, his stick is in the Hall of Fame. Literally no. <laughs> all the no's. And and the and the the general managers are going to turn this into a oh see no stop. All the feel good and they're going to ruin it. I just can't. Um, 
The NHL is breaking ground on, uh, or the NHL Seattle franchise is breaking ground on their new training facility up uh, at the Northgate Mall. Um, they should be ready to roll um, in just a couple of months. Uh, the mall itself is a couple of decades old. Um, like 70? Yeah. So I 70 don't years 70 old. Seven, old. No. seven decades, excuse me, yeah. Um, seven decades old, but hey. An $80 million three-rank training facility and Team HQ. Um, Shall we say this is happening, folks? <laughs> oh, it's real. Ladies and gentlemen, I don't think, uh, I don't think that you really should uh, hold any more doubt about what uh, the yet as yet unnamed team is going to commit to push- the facility uh, to the are, area. Are they still pushing the Kraken? <laughs> I haven't seen I haven't seen any stories about it since it was leaked, and I'm doing air quotes here since it was leaked. And I put I, I actually put a story up here, kind of to go along with it because I didn't see your headline until I went the the. The Women's Pro Hockey Seattle page actually has a link to the very same story they're talking about the 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 groundbreaking of the training facility. And I just wanted to point out that if you're interested in anything to do with Seattle hockey, their Facebook page, their website, hit it. <laughs> but it's nice to see that Seattle is taking. The, I I I really hope that Seattle is as big a hockey town as they think they are i mean vegas i was i wasn't sure what to expect because it's such a transient society you know people flying in going to the casinos flying out again i discounted the fact that the people that live in vegas are going to be the main supporters and when you think of vegas you don't think of the people that live there you think of the strip you think of the casinos you think of the the all the the bulbs and the lights and everything else and I'm really hoping that Seattle has that kind of rabid support that that Vegas fans have for their for the Golden Knights because their games are constantly sold out. They're, it's a it's a raucous atmosphere even for a regular season game. God forbid it should be against uh, a San Jose or another California team because there's your arch rivals. I, I really do hope that Seattle can pull it off and have that, that same success. Uh, yeah, I, it's going to be interesting. It's going to come down to how well their players gel and how well they take up the challenge. I mean, Vegas, when they, when that, uh, expansion draft was put together, those guys had a chip on their shoulder big enough to shade the Rockies and, they went out and played like it. They played their best hockey for, well, at least a full season. Um, just based off of that. And I think that for, for at least half of that roster, it was a redefining, it was a redefining um, year for them. Oh, uh, they, yeah. reset, they reset the boundaries of who they thought they could be. I don't anticipate. I don't anticipate that. That I don't anticipate that um, Seattle is going to have the same kind of season that Vegas did in their inaugural. 
But what, you don't expect to have back-to-back expansion franchises go to the Stanley Cup Finals? Mm. Why not? Nah, I don't know. I, I mean, it hey, be given nice. how soft the West is, <laughs> it's actually this, fairly well, likely. This is this is true. It, you know, Seattle has actually has a chance of making the playoffs this season, but. <laughs> Ouch. Um, before we go, let's just return with one of our intermittent um, intermittent closing uh, segments. Time to tweak or trash. We have four teams. I'll ask you whether you think that they just need a minor uh, a minor upgrade, or if it's time to uh, reduce the ground under them uh, to rubble as well as the team itself. Okay. The first one is, in fact, a softball. <laughs> <laughs> this one's right over the plate. Okay, <laughs> right over the plate, barely moving fast enough to get there. Um, you might have had time to smoke a cigarette while it's uh, coming from the mound. Cup of coffee, anyway. Detroit Red Wings. Yeah, if I said tweak, you'd probably have to shoot me. So <laughs> I'd have to find a new co-host. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they need to be trashed, and and I think that Eisenman understands that. He's made little subtle deals here and there during the season, bringing in Perlini and Fabry, but I think he understands that this is going to be an overhaul. And it and needs the thing to be. Is, is their their farm system isn't good at this point. Like you look at their you look at their uh, non NHL players. There's like two players on defense who are under 27. Well, you maybe take Mar- forwards. You take Maritz Sider. You build the defense around him. <laughs> that's it. They're, when you only have like five or six legitimate prospects who are under the who, in your entire system. You've got issues. Florida Panthers. But I think that I think that's why Detroit has oh I don't know one two three four six seven ten picks this year, um, yeah nine picks the year after that, and then they have all seven of their picks in 2022. Uh, yeah, if you if you don't see that Eiserman's uh, amassing picks to try and reset this franchise. You, you need to watch again. So yeah, this is definitely a trash. <laughs> Florida Panthers. Oh, they traded Vincent Trocheck. By the way, another surprise. I, I didn't see Trocheck getting moved. Um, the Panthers are, weren't they on the verge of, or close to? I mean, they're in fifth now, but yes. Uh, I don't know what their contract situation is like. That's my only thing. I am going to have to cheat and look up their contract situation. Shame, um, shame, shame, shame. I know it's it's terrible to want to do this with a little bit of information instead of like off the cuff. You're supposed to know everything about every team in the NHL, their AHL affiliates, their ECHL affiliates, their reserve list uh, off the top of your head, just like I do. Off the top of my head, that's pretty good. Uh, I, my my first inclination was to say tweak. I mean, especially if you're going to get a guy like, you know, Nolachari, who if the Bruins knew that he could score 20 goals in a season, would they have traded him or let him go or, or whatever I'm they did? I'm guessing the answer is no. <laughs> he 
he's got 20 goals this year. And they have Brett Connolly. It has to be a tweak. <laughs> I don't I don't know that they're set up for a trashing though. They've got you've got Dad and well Dadnov's now 30. You know what? They're old. Trash. Wow. Well, I want to say tweak and you laughed. I say trash and you want to say, you know, pick one. Flippity, floppity, flippity, flop. I am flip-flopping because this team, I don't know where they're going. They they went and got Quenville because Quenville led Chicago to championships. But this team is not built for championships, but they're not built for they're not built exactly. For the, they're not built for the future either. Okay. Ultimately, I think it, ultimately I think it would have to be a tweak job, but it would be a big tweak job. Jets, Jets, Jets. Winnipeg. Uh, I like Winnipeg. I, I'm not a big fan of Patrick Line because I think he's about the streakiest player in the NHL. Uh, but I love Kyle Connor. I love Blake Wheeler, who's getting old. Wheelers uh, is another one, but he's actually learning how to be a two-way player. They got some youth. They're definitely a tweak team, I think. They did some good things with bringing in Payonk from New York when they lost Truba. Uh, I think with a few moves, they could actually get back. I mean, they're a playoff team now. Hellebuck's so. there for a while. I th- they're, they're a tweak team. They're not a okay. They're that. not a trash. Okay. You don't have to defend yourself. Just we'll go with that. Last one. Columbus Blue Jackets. You're supposed to make the last one easy like the first one. Mm, No. Well, I I assume that. Uh, Let's see. First, we got to move on Nyquist, but he's got a crazy gas contract. Um, as 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 long as it involves hanging on to John Tortorella, you can do whatever you want with this team. Oh, and you got to hang on to Seth Jones too. Um, I don't know. I look at Columbus and I keep thinking they got it, and then they don't got it. They're in the second wild card spot. I want to say that they're a tweak job as well. I see. I think that they've got some good, but there's some that they could move on. Yeah, I and and to be quite honest, Elvis is gonna Elvis is gonna be in number one, and he's an RFA arbitration eligible. You're sure he's uh, not about to rake her out, right? Is anybody 100 percent sure? He looked pretty damn good. I, I but then again, so did Raycroft, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep. But we traded Raycroft for Tuca. Um, yeah. <laughs> so I guess if Elvis does Raycroft out, they could turn around and trade him for I don't know Robin Leonard. There's an idea. Uh so trash the first one, and I would uh, I would say trash the se- trash Detroit, trash Florida, tweak Winnipeg, and tweak Columbus. So the tweet that I was laughing about earlier, um, Eric uh, asked me, where are we uh, as far as shutouts with uh, Tuka Rask and the number one? 
Uh, and that those are his words, not mine. Um, right now, Rask has four in uh, about ten more games than Yarrow Halak's three. Yep. It's a four um, to three lead because he got a shutout last night. But against a Islanders team that was mm, not playing their best hockey ever. Not so much, not last night they weren't. I mean they they've been playing well. They just didn't look like it last night, and it was a little chippy last night. Uh, they, 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 oh, that was they, a wonderfully physical game. There have been a couple of wonderfully physical games for the Bruins recently. Uh, I mean, when when David Krejci gets himself into a fight with Joe Pavelski. And that's a weird pairing for a fight because, like, uh, it, <laughs> yeah. Well, I know that they have weight division. I know they have weight divisions in boxing, but do they have height divisions in boxing? Uh, no. Okay. Because that's what I was thinking when they were fighting was which height division do they fit into? Uh, <laughs> but yeah, okay, that was then. a very odd, odd pairing for a fight. But it, I mean, hey. If Jeremy Lozon's going to take on Matthew Kachuk, that that that's that might have been fighting above his weight class. I don't know. <laughs> uh, yeah, although it was it was a reasonable fight. And 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 just as a thirty second, you know, one minute, whatever opinions on Lozon because he seems to be sticking around for a while. I thought he was another just call. This kid looks he, like he's, he's he's looked better and better every game. Like, most guys come up to the NHL, they look great their first game or second game, they hit a pit, and then they drop down, make a couple of mistakes, and you find out what their character is like, and they're, they're, they're given a couple of games to recover if there's a need. Um, but it's not just him stepping it up. Grizzlick has played his la- it, possibly his best hockey They've been pairing Lozon with Grizzlick. But he's played his best hockey since January the last couple of weeks, too. Oh, absolutely. Uh, And I think that the confidence and fluidity of the game goes both ways. The fact that Grizzlick is playing better allows his D pair to play better. But Lozon, going from last year, his first game, to this, to through the end of last year, he looked solid. He looked like, you know, a six or seven defenseman. Nothing to nothing to really complain about, but nothing great. He got called up earlier this year at some point and looked better. Um I'm am I saying that he should take someone's spot? I don't know yet. Because I think, he, I think skating he's... again. Miller's skating again. Um I'm still not sold on Miller. It just Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, not not because of whether I like him or don't like him. I mean, I'm just I'm worried about the I'm worried about the injury history. But I mean, uh, that being said, my thing with my thing with Lausanne is it, the one thing that I've noticed is the hockey the the hockey IQ is he, he's learning on the job. He it, when you when you watch a McAvoy and it. Jack loves to say McAvoy learned, you know, he learned. 
I've seen McAvoy repeat mistakes. He's he you know over it, and over and over and over and Lozon's not perfect. He's made mistakes. He's a young player, but he seems to be learning from them. He's he knows when to pinch. He knows when to stay back. He see he's he 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 is growing on the job. And I think that yes, come next year at at training camp, I think he competes for. A six, I think he competes for a fifth, sixth spot. Unless okay. they move him. I just, um, I'm just, I'm just curious because he seems to be, you know, when they call up Vakaninen for a game or two or they call up uh, Zaboro for a game or two, but Lausanne seems to be sticking around. So maybe they're, they've okay. got some kind of confidence in him that they didn't have in the others. I, at this point, I will take Lozan over Vakaninen or Zaboro. Not really a contest. I'm not yet certain that I will take him over Clifford. Yeah, I'm, wait, I'm waiting for Cliffy Hockey to come back. Um, and I don't, I legitimately do not see a reason for Grizzly to sit the rest of the year. I don't really want to hear any arguments that he should. Who's saying Grizzly should sit? Well, you're going to you're going to end up sitting someone when Miller is a- a- able to play and have more is probably going to be healthy again at some point. Um, and I mean, if you have three defensemen sitting on the shelf doing nothing who are capable of playing, they, capable. yes, they're going to have to send Lozon back down. They're going. Someone is going to sit. Someone. It's unfortunately he's probably. Grizzly probably will get pushed out for a game or two, but opening round of the playoffs, it, 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 assuming everyone is healthy, I think Grizzly's got to be Jara McAvoy, um, Carlo Crew, and then uh, Clifton and Grizzly as pair number three. I don't really want to hear about anything else. I, do I like Kevin Miller? Yes, but the synergy of the other pairings that. That has to take precedence until someone screws up by the numbers, gets hurt, gets sick. Those should be the six that you roll. Yep. Agreed. And that's everything. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, thank you for listening. Share the show. Love the show. Tweet us, email us, let us know what you think, what you want to talk about. Uh, We'd love to hear it. Anything else? Welcome back, buddy. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, Have a great week.